podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Face Off. I'm your usual host, uh, Guy Drinkle, and I will introduce my guest, but there is no opposition guest in this one because we're going to be doing the Champions League as well, and I don't know any Salzburg fans. Um, But anyway, I'll introduce my guest. We do have three guests this week, so I thought I'd just cram it in for a bit of an end-of-week pod um, and a bit of a catch-up. I'll introduce them first. Chris, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Aside from two heart attacks within the span of like five days, but because of Liverpool, I think I'm doing good. Yes. How, how about you, guy? Yeah, I'm good. It 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 feels like 2016 again, where I'd be going to the hospital every two days, which is not good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, we'll get we'll get into them games. Um, and also joining us is Stephen, who I haven't spoken to in a few months or so. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, mate. I'm loving the fact goalkeepers have forgotten how to catch. Yeah, it's just modern, it's modern goalkeeping, isn't it? <laughs> oh, dear. And also joining us is someone who I've not spoken to in donkey's years, is AI writer and player ratings extraordinaire, Ollie Emerson. How are you doing, Ollie? I'm very good. Yeah, it's been a while, mate. Uh, you know, you're off doing your AI pro things these days, you know, leaving us mere mortals to scrap around on the free side but no it's a uh, lovely to have the chance to speak to you and uh, you know hopefully we'll have some fun well i'm here aren't i <laughs> well you are you are Absolutely. charity work <laughs> work experience man um but anyway we'll get into the two games uh, we'll be quite brief on sheffield united because that was like a year ago um ollie i'll start with you then it wasn't great but we won I mean, you are referring to Sheffield United, right? Because that could literally pass as well, most of well, our yes. games this season. Well, yes, um, yes, quite. Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? As in, it was one of those where I think I came out of it and I wasn't that angry at our performance, I think is the best way to describe it, because I generally thought that they played really well. They were one of the better teams we faced this season and it would have been very easy just to say, well, we had an off day today, but we got through it. But I think a lot of it was down to... You know, the tactics they implemented, they've obviously got a very proactive uh, forward-thinking manager in Chris Wilder and they uh, had his team really well organised, they pressed us really well, they used the ball really nicely when they had it, created chances and, uh, you know, if we, we weren't on top form, if Mane had taken a couple of those first-half chances, we might have been looking back at it as a bit of an easier day but we got the win in the end and that's all that matters. But I think, you know, we were sort of all thinking, we seem to be saying that quite a lot at the moment oh you know yeah, we dug it out we got the win that's all that matters and some people are in the camp who that think you know just what winning teams do it, you know it never really stops some people uh, in the opposition camp of there's only so many times we're going to give the opposition a chance and them not take it there's only so many times we can dig ourselves out of a hole or get a bit of luck or 
be the mentality monsters that you know we're heralded as uh, before it comes crashing to an end and we go through a sticky bit of form. So you know, obviously very interested to hear what you guys think in terms of whether you know we're it's just what we do or we're on for uh, some sticky results. It will certainly. What's, be what's the quote? I'd rather be lucky than good. Yeah, but uh, I, I, yeah, rather be lucky than good. But I, I'd like to be both. Last season we were both. Uh, and I think this season we've just been lucky so far, as opposed to particularly good. But you know, uh, it has taken. There have been a couple of couple of seasons in the clock where it's taken us a little while to really click into gear. Last season we were at the races straight away, but uh, the prior year I think we struggled around a little bit. And then I think it was after was it Maribor we absolutely demolished in the Champions yeah. League that seven nil, and we sort of seemed to get back to it. Um, even last season for a little while sort of around the Chelsea away game um, when Sturridge scored that goal we weren't clicking forward that much we had the struggles in the Champions League away games and we sort of switched to the 4-2-3-1 I think it was and uh, which we've seen against Sheffield United and Salzburg which has worked so I'm wondering maybe maybe we're going to go back to that to try and get a bit more a bit more I don't know a bit more fluidity in the team we seem to be getting a lot of good individual performances at the moment and the team will play well for you know 10-20 minute spells but I genuinely have to think back, I'd say, to the last time that we put together a full sort of 90 minutes of good football. If you think, you know, the recent victories, uh, Salzburg, with the last time we had a nightmare for a while, uh, Sheffield United was scrappy, uh, the Chelsea away game, we were very good for 45 minutes and then let them back into it. Even Arsenal, we were really good for, you know, 70 odd minutes, but then let them have a little period at the end of the game. So it would be nice to just have, have a a game which we just win and we're dominant and convincing for 90 minutes. Hopefully, you know, we're going to get Alisson back. Hopefully the return of uh, Ox and Cater will help with that as well. But obviously Klopp would actually have to change the midfield for that to happen, which, you know, doesn't look particularly likely. Yeah. Well, let's build on the midfield question. Um, Stephen, I'll start with you on this because it is the la- well. It's probably the last position of debate in the squad, really, and I'm sure people are probably sick of hearing it. But it's like the only position to actually talk about because the rest of it's locked in. But the the midfield, we obviously have a limited amount of options with people coming back from injury or like having a very long term injury and stuff like that. Is is the midfield working with the first choice free at the minute? No, and you always seem to love to ask me questions involving Henderson. He is captain. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? Um, He was half decent last night going forward, and he probably could have got himself into the box and picked up a goal or two. But it was almost like he forgot to defend. It's like, oh, they've got the ball. I'm just going to stand here and watch. And even though Trent's in the corner flag, I'm going to do nothing useful. So it's, it's just frustrating. It's like he's had the license to become a more attacking player and forgotten he's got to track back. Whereas um, Ginny's an odd one this season, isn't he? Mm. So, so Cyril was putting out the stats, wasn't he, about players most involved in build-up. And I think Ginny's got one of the highest, if not the highest, actually building the squad at the moment after Salah. And we all know Mo's our best player. So to see that he's been quietly effective, um, I mean... Fabinho's been an absolute beast. I mean, we've got to say one good thing about the midfield is we've got the best DM like in the Premier League, probably in Europe. He's just phenomenal at the moment. So, mm-hmm. but like, you know, I, I think it's going to be a season where we see Fabinho first choice, 
we'll see Ginny playing when he's fit. He kind of deserves to because of last season he was so important at the end of the season. And, you know, he's doing things quietly effective. But I think, like, maybe it's time to drop Henderson, not necessarily because he's doing something wrong, but maybe a kick in the backside for two or three games of watching Ox, who, you know, he's, he's he hasn't got his explosive enough fully back, and he's not quite there. But the fact he will get up and down the pitch, he'll do everything he can. He'll, you know, he'll run until his lungs are coughing up for 60 minutes, if that's what it takes. I think just seeing somebody else out there putting in the yards both ends of the pitch, someone who can be dangerous going forward will make an effort going back. I just think we need to free things up. And obviously we we all know that Cater should be playing, but for whatever reason, he's not. So I just want to see Ox in there. I can't see any reason at all for Ginny or Fab to not play against Leicester. I just think someone like Ox just running up the pitch you know, he plays like a outside centre, doesn't he? With the Rugby World Cup being on. Just mm-hmm. those direct, straight lines. Go straight at the defence, with or without the ball. I'm running at you, what are you going to do? As opposed to Henderson, I'm going to run into a corner and cross the ball to no one. Or I'm going to try and be De Bruyne and do that chipped, lofted, cross-field pass thing to the back post that doesn't get to anybody apart from once a season. But we're going to see it all season. Klopp did it last year. Like, until Fabino got settled after Christmas. But once he was settled, it was first choice Fabino. And then the, the two positions between Hendo, Milner and Wijnaldum were rotated. Cater uh, until he got a knock. I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see those two, those two eights, as Klopp calls them, rotated week in, week out against whatever opposition he wants. And for some reason at the moment, he thinks Henderson and Ginny are the best combination, but evidently not, because there's just nothing good happening in our midfield at all mm. going forward. It's just depressing. Yeah, it's it's not been the prettiest, especially last two or three performances, <sighs> especially, I reckon. Chris, what's your uh, thoughts on the midfield? So f- well, not so far this season and these last couple games. I have to uh, echo Stephen's um, sentiments there about Henderson in the midfield. Um, Genie and Fab, they're fine for me. Um, I think Genie does well to track back and cover Robbo when he goes bombing forward like he normally does. Um, I think the reason that Klopp persists with the uh, Genie, Hendo, and Fab midfield is because they get the instruction. Um, they know what he wants. But I think the problem with Henderson um, like we saw against Sheffield and like we saw against Salzburg is that he kind of shuts off and he doesn't track back as much as Genie would do, which I kind of noticed. Um, and then he gets hooked at 60 minutes. We either bring Origi or Milner on and everything starts clicking again. But I agree. Um, I feel like if Henderson didn't have the armband, he'd be on the bench. And I think either Ox or Kata would be uh, starting in his position. I think up against Leicester, we need to see some change in the midfield. Like, I'm not trying to turn this into a Henderson hate pod Mm -hmm. because I absolutely love him. Um, He works hard and everything like that. But there comes a point where you can only get away with that so much. And I think we were lucky to come away with the win against Sheffield. And um, as we see with a team like Salzburg, a team that's not afraid to attack, they will punish you if you shut off. 
So I think, um, I think for the weekend, I would like to see either Keita or Ox come on in that uh, number eight position, bombing forward in a straight line, linking up, you know, the play with our front three. But I, these past few games, I don't know if it's because it's physical fatigue or if it's mental fatigue for Henderson, but he hasn't done himself any favors. And I think there needs to be some competition for that for that spot. Um, when I saw the lineup come out for the Salzburg game, um, I, I thought, I, I absolutely thought that we'd see either Keita or Oxlade Chamberlain starting in that midfield. Um, given how, uh, you know, open of a game it would be with Salzburg because they're not going to just sit back and, you know, try to pull a Burnley. But yeah, I think, yeah, I think there has to be some change. Not because, like, you know, Henderson's crap or whatever, and I'm not trying to piss off any, you know, Reds on the Twitter sphere that, you know, defend him hell and high water. I'm not saying he's bad, but there comes a point where, you know, this will cost us in a really important, I'm thinking forward in, like, future league games Mm -hmm. against United and City. Like, these are teams, like, if Salzburg punished us like this for that type of complacency and shutting off, um, I I don't want to think about what City would be able to do to us in that type of situation. But um, hopefully on Saturday we see Ox or Kata come in, but I have a strange feeling we're going to see Milner. Do you think he might be protecting Kata and Ox? If you think every season when we've brought in a new player, mm-hmm. he beds them in slowly. He bedded in Fabino over half a season. He bedded in Kata over half a season. He got injured. The year before it was Ox. Do you think he's maybe taking time because they've both had knocks? They've not had full preseasons to the full extent. Well, not full preseasons where they're a hundred percent. So we know Ox was fit, but he hadn't played football for a year. So maybe he's just trying to protect those guys. And even though Henderson isn't at his best, he at least he knows what he's going to get, and he knows that after sixty minutes, if Hendo's playing crap, he can hook him for Milner, who is just an older, slower version of the same player. Well, I'll tell you who's protecting. I'm sorry. Protecting, <laughs> sorry he's, he's protecting anyone in the Anfield Road end or the cot or the main stand above the age of 60 from getting any part problems as a result of some exciting football from the midfield. Fair, fair enough. Hold, <laughs> fair enough, holding back. The points, the points taken. Like the points, that's a, it's a really good point just to think that you know, they've not had full pre-seasons because they've still, Vox has, you know, still coming back. Naby's been in and out of the uh, training because he's not been fit. Fair enough. But like I you say, that. at some point it's going to cost us because the midfield is playing appallingly. So there's only so far you can go with the whole, right, I want to ease them back in. I want them to be ready thing. When the midfielders at the moment don't look like they're ready because Henderson looks poor. While Aldams looks poor, like you say, Fabinho is looking really good. He's the only one who's, I think, is in the midfield group who has to start every week at the moment. But yes, while Aldams was in the position there last season, he's gone off the boil a bit. Henderson's been good and been poor. Fabinho is the only real one that's showing he that he can't be dropped. So the thing with Cater and Ox, if you want to hold them back, fair enough. But then you need to do something different. Go to four two three one. You know, put a and put Shakiri in and just use Genie and Fabinho in a two. We know that it worked really well last year. You can use Genie and Henderson in a two if you, that bothers. You know, as long as Asim Lallana's not on the pitch, then you can use pretty much any of them in a two. Milner in two is not as good because, uh, you know, he looks like he's, you know, 
got invisible ropes attached to his legs that prevent him from moving above speeds of like you know three miles an hour. But other than that, you know, I can't really find an excuse for Klopp just to roll out the same midfield again and again when it's not functioning well. You know, there are times in games where it does well, but you know, we just seem to be losing control of games a little bit too easily at the moment. It's something we didn't see last season. I'm not sure what's particularly changed. Whether it's sort of the fact that the defence play a bit of a higher line, uh, the, the two eights, Henderson and Wijnaldum don't know where they're supposed to be sometimes when we're on the ball. I, I don't know, you know, but it's, something's got to change. Do you not think it's interesting, though, that Klopp, Van Dijk, might have been Trent or Gomez, one of another, at least another player have all said that we're not playing a higher line, we're just better at it. So it's more evident how high we're playing. Yeah, that, that is, there has been a lot of debate about that, hasn't there? There's been a lot of people saying, are we? A lot of people saying, aren't But, you know, opponents seem to be... Man, opposition managers have mentioned that we're playing a high line and, you know, their analysts are prepared for it that way. I think it might just be a case of uh, the club not necessarily wanting... Uh, the Klopp for the players aren't going to come out and say, yeah, we're intentionally playing a much higher line because if they do that, then opponents are going to know and they're going to prepare specifically for it. So maybe they're hoping the opposition analysts don't catch it or don't think there's much into it. But there have been a couple of opposition managers that have come out and said, we know they're playing a much higher line. We think we can get in behind them that way, blah, blah, whether or not I they mean, actually can. I remember a lot of games at the end of the last season where the only player in our half was Alisson. Well, that, the, thing, the thing with that is that's fine when we're controlling games properly, which this season we're not doing for 90 minutes. That's kind of why I want to see Ox to play if he doesn't think um, Kate is ready because he'll pick up the ball and he'll keep it moving. So yeah. if, the, if, he, if there's no pass on, rather than just passing it backwards or sideways, he'll just run at people. And you know, he's the best part of what six foot. He's quick, he's strong. And he may not be quite as explosive as he was, though he was looking pretty good in the um, the old Carabao, wasn't he? In terms of physically, yeah. maybe not in his touch, but he'll worry people just because he'll run at them. And the one thing we've got this weekend is Rogers will not back down from his approach to football, which is oh god, you know, yeah, I forgot we had him at the weekend. It's, you know, he's from he's from the Kevin Keegan school of all out attack, isn't he? Yeah, he's but from think, the. Go on. As I say, as long as we've got one of Cater or Ox on the pitch, if we're going to stick with the same formation, I think we're going to batter them. I think this is a game where we're going to have someone who's going to come at us. They're going to make a mistake. If you think of, you think of like how good, like Firmino's little flick through is for Mane last night, even though he's not playing great, and how good his little header through and the finish from Mose win the game last night. They're going to go running at that Leicester defence. And apart from what maybe Soyanku and, and Diddy, I've got absolutely no concerns about any of their players stopping the front three. So as long as we can take advantage of the fact that Rogers is a nutcase. Yeah, well, Puel's Leicester were really good against us, and so was Southampton. Um, and I think there'll probably be some fear from the fans coming in that, you know, it's, we've, it's sort of been a bit of a bogey game for us. But as you say, Rogers doesn't play that style of football. He's not particularly pragmatic defensively. And the thing is, I look at Leicester and I think they've got a really good team to play against us because they've got really good ball players in the midfield that can use the ball well. They've got a good defensive unit and they've got pace on the break. You know, you've got Vardy that can get them behind. But whether they're going to set up in a way that allows them to uh, 
exploit let's say, exploit those talents perfectly. I'm not sure because I think Rogers is going to come at it and say, "Oh, you know, I want my Leicester team to take Liverpool toe to toe and dominate possession at Anfield, blah blah blah, blah rather than sit back and hit us on the counter, which I think they could be really effective at." I mean, I know, I know they've got a good team, but I just think you've got Madison versus Fabino. There's, there's one winner in that, and it's not an Englishman. Exactly. And as long as we can work out that balance of the, the two eights in front of them, I just think we'll tear them apart. What were you going to say if, there, Chris? And, sorry, like uh, I said, Madison is, is out for Saturday's game. He's not fit. I think him and I can't remember who else, but he was one of the crucial ones that's not going to be playing. So, but even, but even yeah. Tielemans is, is Tielemans is a great player, but I don't think he's the level to cause Fabino too many problems. Nobody's at the level to cause Fabino problems. <laughs> um, well, apart from Salzburg a little bit last night. Um, but like, but if Rogers goes and does something stupid and tries playing a different formation, look at look at Arsenal. Arsenal were unbeaten, and then out of the blue, they tried playing a diamond for the first time of the season. Yeah, and got battered. Like if he doesn't stick to his four-two-three-one, he tries to mess around. We'll just tear them apart. And I just think even with the four-two-three-one, we can counter that with Fabino and Ginny, and then just as, as I said, sticking Ox as a ten, sticking Bobby as a ten. I just think we can. Uh, it just feels like that game where we've been so poor recently, but the front three looked so sharp last night that. If we just sort out silly mistakes in the defence and drop one of the boring midfielders, and it's one of those games we're going to score four or five goals, but not do a Rogers and win five four. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's get let's get we'll we'll finish on the Leicester game because it's an easy order to keep <laughs> for me as the host. Um, and I've already lost track where we were before that. Um, but Chris, I'll come to you. Um, as I mentioned at the start, Sheffield United was like ages ago. So we'll, we'll, we'll move on from them to, um, to Salz, uh, Salzburg. Um, there was only one change in the team. We've mentioned the midfield possibly playing too much together and picking the wrong games for that particular trio to play together. But... The, even with that team and bringing in Gomez for an injured matter, it should not have imploded like that. But what I'm going to ask you here is, does this game, if anything, just highlight how important Matip's become? Because that was a hell of an implosion. I don't think that it... I think Gomez did okay. There were a few um, balls over the top that he kind of misjudged, but he had the recovery pace to take care of business. Um I think he was still knocking off a bit of rust. But I mean, Matip is hugely important, but when he when Gomez had a run of games last season up until he got hurt at Burnley, I think he did he he did exceptionally well. Sometimes some would argue that he played better than Van Dyke, but um I don't think the implosion that we had that we saw yesterday was um because of Matip's like lack of influence in the team. Um, but I think it showed that we got a little cocky after we went up three nil. It was like, we're the European champions, you know, we're going to do whatever the hell we want to you. Um, and 
Salzburg did not take that very well. They just kept coming at us and coming at us. And there was some sort of uh, arrogance and complacency in our game. Like we scored early and then Robo scored and then Salah scores. And it was, I don't know how to articulate like the way the, the team was treating that game, but I don't feel like they really respected Salzburg's game until um, Huang, uh, he scores in the 39th minute. And then what's the other dude's name? Minamino. Something he like hits that. that volley. Yeah, he hits the volley, and then uh, Holland equalizes shortly thereafter. I think it was a wake-up call for us. I think I said the same thing about the uh, Napoli game. It is a wake-up call, like just because you know the fact that we're European champions gives us a bigger target on our back now. The name Liverpool always has a target on our back because people always want to beat us. Our name is uh, synonymous with success, a big club, etc. But the fact that we have that patch now that says last year's winners for uh, 2018, like that gives us a bigger target. And we, I think after 3-0, we switched off and we can't do that. It doesn't matter who we're playing against. You, you, just, you just can't do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ollie, did, did you think... It was simple as us just switching off in the game because, as, as Chris mentioned, we were almost cruising in the first 30-odd minutes or so. And Do you think it was just overconfidence and pretty much just thinking job done? Uh, to an extent, yeah. Um, they changed things up a bit, obviously, shifted formation, um, and it worked for them. And I think it was once that once they got the first goal... Uh, they played better up to half time, and I don't know if any of you have seen the manager's uh, team talk in uh, on Twitter, but that looks like quite a bit of a rallying cry and I things at half time. Yeah, there's a if you go on Twitter, the Salzburg manager's team talks uh, on that. I don't know why they were broadcasting it or filming, but that's quite a good watch. Uh, he seems to be quite a switched on guy, and they came out for the second half and looked uh, really good again. And again, it's one of them, you know, it shouldn't have happened. You, you, I do want to give credit to Salzburg because they changed things up, uh, didn't uh, get their heads down about being 3-0 down and played really well to come back into the game. But, you know, I think you have to say that we must have switched off a little bit because there's no way under normal circumstances we'd have allowed that to happen. Um, you know, there were some fantastic finishes uh, but we did just make it a little bit too easy for them to play. Uh, I think, you know, the start of the second half, we didn't do particularly well just in terms of keeping the ball and taking whatever momentum they had from getting the one back uh, just for half time. We didn't take any of that momentum away from them, which we should have done. And it's actually very strange when, you know, you bring James Milner on as your impact sub and it actually works, but uh, fair play to cop for that. Uh, but yeah, we, again, we don't want to go back into the midfield debate again, but it did just look like we completely lost control of the game in the midfield. Uh, the defence were getting ran at and twisted and turned. Like you know, even Virgil was put on his arse a couple of times, and that's you know that's when you know that things really aren't going our way. Um, Gomez had some good moments, had some bad moments, looked a bit shaky, and it just seems like once we got to three 0 we were just sort of thinking the game was uh, the game was sealed, and we were going to go on to score four and five, and probably not giving Salzburg enough credit for. Like the team they are, obviously, you know they scored six in the first game. You know, regardless of 
regardless of how good or bad Genk were, you know, that's a hell of a result in the Champions League group game. Obviously, you know, Genk went and got the draw against Napoli just before our game last night, so it probably proves that their defence maybe isn't as bad as it seems and Salzburg's attack is maybe a little bit better than it seems. And we didn't seem to anticipate that or give it enough credit, but hopefully now we've learned our lesson and if we do go there on match day six needing something, uh, we'll be better prepared for any potential comeback. Cy Brunner said just before kickoff, he thought it'd be three two, and he thought, and he said that's because we'll underestimate them. He wasn't miles off, was he? No, not at all. Uh, it's a really good point, actually. I think, yeah, underestimation. Obviously, when I'm sure we started the match really strongly, but at three 0 up, I think we probably thought maybe it wasn't even that we underestimated them at the start of the match because you know we did play really well and go three 0 up. Maybe at that point they thought, all oh, right, well. You know, we've maybe we've overestimated them a little bit and now we can take the foot off the gas and it's sort of gone the other way and allowed them to come back. But um, if you think about the goals, you know, you've got Van Dyke being turned inside out, which just doesn't happen. Yeah. And there's a complete mix up with like Van Dyke and Fabino do nothing. So Gomez there's... Gomez is left with not a lot of chance to do something and doesn't get it right. And a tap in. Yep. Um and it, yeah, there was some well-worked moves, some stuff where our defence was literally just, uh, uh, you know, uh, the heads that had gone in the midfield, but like, the Henderson one was nowhere to be seen for one of the goals, um, literally nowhere to be seen. I think they were stood at the other end having a chat to the opposition goalie. Um, but it, it's probably a good thing overall, just in terms of the fact that Salzburg have proved that they're a good team, because now, now we've got the win, we can go and play against twice, we should be taking six points from that, you know, no excuses. We we did say the same about Red Star last year and it didn't quite work out that way because obviously we were so bad away, but I think we're a better team and we're not going to play that same midfield of, I think I think it was, was it Henderson, Milner and Lallana for Red Star away last year? Or was it Henderson, Wijnaldum and Lallana? I think it was Ginny, Milner and Lallana. Yeah, well it was fucking atrocious regardless <laughs> of what it was. So we're not going to roll that shower of shit out again. If we do, I'm not watching and probably just going to go and support Tramir. Genko is uh, Lallana is the six. Honest, yeah. <laughs> Can you think of anything worse than Adam Lallana at number six in a European fixture that isn't on a Thursday night? Yeah, in a Premier League uh, game. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah very <laughs> in, the, in the Premier League at the Etihad. Yeah. I will take your Lallana and raise you a Degsy. Oh god, yeah. To yeah be we've fair, seen Degs at the Etihad. We've seen Degs yeah. at the Etihad in the league this year already, and that cost us then. We've, yeah, we've won games with Lovren in the team. We haven't with Lallana as the six. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a lot Lovren and Lallana within a starting position of less than ten yards from each other. Imagine if I told oh, you that god. a year ago that was going to be a serious option. Um, if that was the case, you'd probably think Lovren's gone on a mad one. Love, yeah, like, you think, <laughs> well, right, like, we must have an injury crisis when we decide to start Lovren in DM or something, or Lovren's gone to right back and Milan's on the wing because Jesus Christ. But yeah, um, no, Salzburg, Salzburg was what I say. They, they are a good team. You know, they've scored six against Genk, who then got a clean sheet against Napa. I know football doesn't always work, but you know, because so and so beat so and so, who beat so and so, it makes you know Rotherham the best team in the world that so you'll see on like sport bible and crap like that but Salzburg have proved that they're a serious outfit and they're going to now go and play Napoli twice I would very happy be very happy to bet on them taking points off Napoli in at least one of those games um probably yeah, probably at home it wouldn't surprise me to see both those teams take three points from those two games sort of it's a bit of similar setup in the way we had it last year where we'd um 
I think it was last year we'd won our opening home game against PSG, lost our opening away game, which I think was in Naples as well. And we went and played the weaker team twice whilst the sort of other two competitors in the group faced off. Um, obviously, we didn't do our job last year in terms of picking up six points against the sort of the uh, wooden spoon in the group. But uh, we should do this time whilst hopefully Salzburg can take some points off Napoli. Because I think then, looking at it, we should be in a decent position to hopefully go into the home game against Napoli potentially in a scenario where we can beat them to A, qualify, and then go ahead of them in the group in, into first place. Because I don't know about you guys, but especially if we're still in the title race, in, um, if especially if we're in a, we're in a good position in terms of the league come February, early March, I really don't want, you know, say Bayern Munich over two legs again. They, now they look a different prospect. Um, because it was around that time last season, as fantastic as Champions League was. And so if it was around that time last season where... I think I think it wasn't more due to team selection, but we did start dropping points in the league. Just those away games where we were maybe a bit too conservative, and we picked up draws, which looked like in isolation were decent draws, um, but turned out to sort of be the games that cost us a title. You know, going to Goodison only getting a point, going to West Ham getting a point, going to Old Trafford only getting a point, uh, and I don't want to repeat that this year. I don't think it's going to make that much a difference if you top the group or not, because teams like Inter Milan and Real Madrid are going to finish second at best. Yeah, but we'd slap Real Madrid. I'd love to. Did anyone see them against um, Bruges the other night? The Simon Mignolet's Bruges team. Oh, they were so bad. They were absolutely dreadful. On it, it was fantastic to watch. It was amazing. I've never, Honestly, what a way to spend a Tuesday just watching Real Madrid <laughs> get whistled and booed at the Bernabeu by a team led by Sai the Ming. Like, it's all the same. He made... I think Varane powered the header in from the corner in the first half, and Mini like, he's just there like a cat. It's honestly, it was like it was like he was on Valium or something. He was absolutely incredible. They only got the draw in the end because you know Madrid do what Madrid do, and we were set piece merchants with a couple of headers and a very questionable offside call. But they were abs- we would absolutely destroy them. It would be such sweet, sweet revenge for Kiev. So I know we've you know we've got over it. We've won the Champions League and we're the holders, but you know we've not played Madrid again. And if we could just beat them like twelve nil over two legs, then that would be a really nice way to spend you know some March April nights. But I'm getting ahead of myself. But that that would be absolutely lovely just to see you know Zinedine Zidane crying into his croissant whilst you know Gareth Bale watches on from the stands. You know probably texting Ed Woodward asking what Man United's latest offer is. Probably wouldn't even be there by then if they keep this up. Yeah, they, they, they are top of the league, to be fair, or somewhere near top. But that is basically yeah, the they went top of the weekend. La Liga's start has probably been the most bizarre start to a league season since I don't know. Palace lost seven games in a row and then came eleventh. But yeah, um, the league is weird this season. So they are top. So hopefully, you know, Zidane is going to hang around. But if they keep playing like that, you know, they're even going to get through the group because they lost. They got absolutely thumped by PSG in their opening game. They've only got a point at home to Bruges. They've still got to go away there. They've still got to go away to Galatasaray, which is never a fun prospect. So, are we even going to see Madrid in the last 16 to beat 12-0? We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I hope we do. We need to eventually. I, I hope we do as well. Yeah, definitely. For Carrius. For Carrius. <laughs> yes, we need, we need to... Uh... We need to amend them demons. Um, I've I think Leicester City's Twitter. Are. <laughs> hey, sorry, I've got something for you, guy. 
Brendan Rogers must have taken over Leicester's uh, Twitter account. They've sent two tweets while we've been recording. One warbling on about how Rogers thinks he can impose his play on Am- Anfield. And then they've tweeted a video on how to beat the press. With annotations of how Leicester are so good at beating the press. Another example, Newcastle's defence. Against so ten, ten men, Newcastle. So, so if they think they can use beating the press against Newcastle as an example of how they're going to play this weekend, I'm sticking with my five now. Newcastle will be three to one. All right. I, I mean, I mean, <laughs> why would you even put that content out there? So you're asking for trouble. It's because they are. <laughs> it's um, going to be fantastic, though. That that beat the press video is going to get endless retweets when Firmino nicks it off someone at uh, the weekend and pop pops it in the corner. That's going to be good content. But you know, like you know, we'll give them give them a moment. Let, let them get excited. Let them think that they can come to Anfield and do this. And then then we will drop a competent midfield on their asses and maybe do some good soccer and you know win seven nil. Be ideal. No. Back. Or we'll play Milner, we'll bypass the midfield and we'll let yeah. the front three do their magic like they did against yeah. PSG. We will, no, no, we, fuck, fuck Milana as the six. We will play ten. We will play no goalkeeper, ten, ten defenders, and then Azam Milana as the lone striker. And then we will watch the, the trigger of the press and wreak hell upon them. The trigger. Oh That's basically Someone what tweeted. we used to do under Migs. <laughs> Someone tweeted a lineup the other day of John Joe Shelby playing up front against Leicester against West Ham. Oh, I remember that game. That was funny. We won. We won that three-two, and we played Shelby up. Voldemort played up front. Scored the, scored the shittest goal, which was actually Vol- Vol- goal Voldemort ever. played up front, and there must have been some black magic for us to win that game. And that Hundred percent, the worst joke you'll get from me this week. It, probably it isn't, but yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, let's move on. Shall we move on to Leicester? Because that's probably the, on paper, anyways, is the toughest game of the week. And we've obviously kind of already gone into it. And Stephen, I'll start with you. Uh, you seemingly don't like Rogers. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I don't know. I don't mind him. If if he had like like some modesty, like he knew his level, but he thinks he's Pep Guardiola or Klopp, and it just, it just annoys me. I can understand that and see that and think that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it's a strange one. But Chris, um, Leicester, I think the third in the league at the minute. I don't have it in front of me. But um, they've seemingly been, well, probably done a bit better than City. I know league title, league doesn't say that, but they've overperformed more than City have. Um, is this going to be one of our toughest, possible toughest games of the season so far because Leicester are overperforming. They seem to have now settled in. Um, obviously, if Madison makes it or not, that'll probably be a big help or a big hindrance either way, but it is, it is a tough game, isn't it? Yeah, Leicester has been a tough game for us for over the uh, past couple seasons, but I think that Rogers, being as arrogant as he is, He's going to come in to Anfield and think he can play his way of football and we're going to nick the ball off of him, hit him on the counterattack, and we're going to put like five or six past him. But realistically speaking, like you said, you they overperformed. Who did they beat that's of note? 
I'd say Tottenham who haven't been great Mm -hmm. over um, the past few months. Um, So I, I don't, I don't think that they'll give us too much trouble. I think uh, especially after uh, last night's game, the, the team, especially the defense is going to want to put in a better performance. Um, I think the front three will be the front three. Hopefully they have their shooting boots on and they don't miss clear cut chances like they did against Sheffield. Um, but I think, I think we'll be fine. Um, the only thing that worries me a little bit is Jamie Vardy. That little fucker always scores against us. So, um, if he doesn't uh, score early, I, I, I'd really appreciate that. Cause I don't, I don't want that type of heart palpitations so early on in the game but um i think we'll be okay i'd say maybe 4-1 to us um that's it wasn't injured he was getting some new shorts made with a vardy shaped pocket putting in them (laughs) (laughs) one can hope um if gomez has to play this game uh i'd be fine with it but i really really want to see uh ox or keita starting on that right side of the midfield um I th- no, I like Jordan Henderson, but I think it it's time to make a, a switch for this game. And I think uh, I was as I was watching the game against uh, uh, what was it Salzburg. Um, there's probably some mental fatigue as well that could come into that because they've always been they've been run out how many games in a row now aside from MK Dons. So I think uh, some rotation is needed. And if we play Ox Arcata, I think we'll we'll blow them away. They might nick one toward later in the game as a consolation goal, but I think we'll win comfortably and make it uh, what it what would it be now? Eight out of eight. Knock on wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's the worry because there's so many stories for the next few games. It's like our winning streak, we got Rogers. Is it United? Then United. And then it's crappy Spurs. There's just so many crappy stories, and that's how football tends to work. Um, Ollie, what what? You put them in, or do you wait until the international break? Who's that again? Sorry. Do you put them in right oh. away against Leicester, or do you wait? I probably wouldn't even put them in against United, to be honest. I would rather if we have. A champion. I think if we have Genk after United, I'd do that. Yeah, I think I think we do. I think that sounds right. I think it's uh this weekend, Leicester, international break, United, Genk, Spurs, Arsenal in the cup, then Villa is sort of. I can't. Yeah. I mean, I, I said earlier, I'd forgotten we were playing Leicester at the weekend, so I don't know how I'm rattling that off the top of my head, but I think that's about. <laughs> I, think, I think that's about right. Um, I'd 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 have Ox in personally this weekend just kind of anyway I'd rather I'm more, I'd rather see Cater just because I saw uh something on Twitter the other day which reminded me that Naby Cater actually started the Champions League semi-final against Barcelona in the new camp mm. uh, but went off injured and I'd completely forgotten because you just you don't think he did you don't, can't remember but he was actually playing really well last season he's forgotten that he had had a really good sustained period of form to the point mm. which Klopp known sort of amongst the fan base for his let's say more conservative Champions League midfield selections you know actually stuck him in you know 
mm-hmm. away to Barcelona only if he's injured. So it's not whilst people are getting down about you know him the fact we've not seen him this season because of injury and he's not really hit the heights we've wanted him to yet. You know it's clear that Klopp does actually rate him and there's potential there for him to force his way back into the team as a key player. Yeah, I want to see whichever one doesn't start get at least like 25-30 minutes in the second half. Yeah, I agree. I think and, just not, sets... and not necessarily for one another. I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing Ox start because Cater always plays on the left of the two and Wijnaldum mostly plays on the left of the two. So I wouldn't mind it if, you know, Ox is starting on the right and then Cater comes on at some point. Well, you can even, you know, you can do a load of things. Let's say Ox is maybe closer to being the one who can, obviously started last week, so against uh, MK Dons. So he's probably one closer, I'd say, to a Premier League start mm. and maybe play in 90 minutes. So you can you can, you can can start Ox, um, start Ox uh, on the right of the three, play, give, him, give him an hour there, and then maybe bring Henderson on for one of the front three and push Ox into the front three, bring Ginny off for Cater. You can do a load of things. Obviously, it depends on the game state. If you need a goal, you might be more likely to bring Cater uh, on. Um, you might want to leave Ox in the midfield and push another attacker on. But yeah, I, don't, I do agree. I think you know we need to get into position now where one of them is starting and the other one is getting half an hour, 20 minutes. I'd be, quite, intri- I'd be quite intrigued if... Because um, Klopp has tried 4-2-3-1 a few times. And when he plays it, he switches Mane over to the right. So he seems to like having the idea of you've got one inside player and one outside player, haven't you? Yeah. Because Origi's not left-footed. So I'd be quite interested to see maybe starting Mane on the left and starting Ox on the right and playing the 4-2-3-1. Yeah, and then you can go Naby and Fab as your um, pivot if you really wanted. I don't think you will just yet, yeah. but you know, there's like, the potential for it. But you know, Ox and Trent and their pace on the right, and Ox does have a bit more... He just seems to have a bit more discipline since he joined us to know that if Trent's gone past him to you know, have a bit of sense of what he's doing. It's like he's, you know, the opportunity to play for Klopp's made him approach his game a bit differently. But also, like, I know everyone knows a bit of Ben well, but I just can't see him versus Ox or Mane and Trent having a good day, let alone Mo. Yeah, it's it's a good point on Ox as well because obviously he played wing back uh, a fair bit during towards the end of his time at Arsenal. So in terms of covering Trent on the right hand side, he's got a decent bit of knowledge uh, and experience of how to do that and what position should be taken up. And I can't remember who, sorry, I can't remember who it was that said it said it earlier, but I remember someone saying something about how since Henderson's been put back into his more advanced role, he seems forgot sort of forgotten that just because he's playing a bit further forward, he seems to forgot the defending is a thing because Ox constantly leaves Trent completely isolated going back and I think that's a really good point I think it's absolutely bang on that Henderson's defensive performances have been pretty atrocious since uh, he, he moved back into the sort of one, the one of the two eights um, and uh, you know it is seen as it'd be seen by sort of the casual onlooker as a more, more attacking selection to go with Ox or Cater in that position but in terms of actual defensive quality I don't really think you're losing much if anything by having one of the two there. No, and Trent's been doing this thing all season, hasn't he? Where rather than going out to the, you know, to the corner flag, he's cutting inside a lot. Yeah. And if if you're playing Ox either on the right of a front four or the right of a midfield three, he's got more natural ability out while he started as a winger. Yeah, you so, do. See, you see Henderson a lot get out on the right and just doesn't really know what to do apart from put that really pathetic crossing. 
which the, the, yeah. I, I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about, I assume, when I say the Jordan Henderson cross. Because it, yeah. I'm sure it winds everyone up the same way. The little sort of pathetic clip to the edge of the penalty area. Yeah, it's why Menem is trying to be De Bruyne. Essentially. Yeah, it's awful. So yeah, less of that. It's the, the thing is, it's though, the worst thing in the world. He'll do it once this season, Ollie, and Marnie will smash it in the top corner. Yeah, literally, and, and it'll, and it'll justify it for years to come. Yeah, then I'll think he's Perlo for another six months. Like how that tackle Alana did against Burnley to. Uh, get us a goal last season justified him you know having game time for the foreseeable future <coughs> which is another farce but that's for that's for a different day <laughs> um well we're getting towards the end now um but we have mentioned the 4-2-3-1 a couple of times and that's kind of been the theme of this week and chris i'll, I'll start with you on this do you, do you think it's now time for the return of 4-2-3-1 because i think we played it till like last December and we won every game in the month and then just kind of binned it off straight away do you think it's time for the 4 2 3 one to come back although we don't have a lot of attacking options but um, we could play Ox whenever Shakiri's back Origi seems to be doing well either awful or well or very well which seems to be his his normal level um but yeah what well, do you think it's time for 4 2 3 one to come back yeah I think it's time for a change um it's good to shake it up every now and then um we see in the past couple we've seen in the past couple games when Urigi comes on and we shift to that four two three one um he goes left Mane goes right um Urigi does track back uh Mane does track back we move Salah to the nine which I think he plays better at because he's just running directly at the defense instead of trying to cut in and curl it with his left uh, it gives him more space to play. Um, but I w- that double pivot with uh, Genie and Fab last season, when we did play, it worked really well. And I think, yeah, I think it's it'll give Lester something different to deal with. Because if I'm Rodgers, I'm, I'm banking that he's like preparing exclusively for a 4-3-3 with the same three midfield that we've ran out the past, like, month um so if we change it up a bit i think um it 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 would give us more life on the ball and um i feel like oddly enough trent would get more cover if money's on the right i think um you will see that trent is not exposed as much because money does track back and do his defensive work and i think uh we're a bit more threatening when we do play that formation but I get a little bit worried um, starting with Origi because it doesn't seem like he has, he's as impactful when he starts. But when you bring him on with like 25, 30 minutes to go, he just does all his 90 minutes of running and play within that short span. Um, so he can make a difference. But um, I, I mean, I think last season we put Keita out on the left. I mean, mm. he wasn't great, but yeah. he did do a job and he did track back and cover when he needed to cover. So, I mean, if we're going to play a four-two-three-one, and you don't want to play Divock and you want to leave him as an impact sub, we could put Keita back on the left, um, Mane on the right, and Bobby as the 10 and Salah as the 9. Yeah, yeah, I like the sound of that. I like the sound of it. I think the last time I was on Guy, I was saying about mm. Origi, he's not the most talented player out there 
And but we were talking about him, and I was saying, if you can learn to be a nuisance the way that Coit was a nuisance mm. through his just sheer tenacity, strength, pace, all that ridiculousness. And the next game he played, he scored as a goal through that delightful shot cross thing that scores an own goal. I mean, if if Origi does start on the left, he just needs to have that I'm going to be a nuisance mentality because he will cause Leicester's defence problems with that approach. I mean, they've not replaced Slabed. Um, like Pereira, the right back, is a really good attacking player. I don't think he'll enjoy Mane for Mane's sheer ability. And I don't think he'll like Origi because Origi would be a massive pain in the ass sitting sitting on top of him all game and just annoying him. So I don't really mind if he starts as long as he has that. Like I'm just going to just keep running and running and running and running and running. Probably fall over when a penalty, and, <laughs> you know. I fall over, hit the post, and it'll hit him on the arse and go in. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, it's not Hesky. Whoa! Don't disrespect him, Um Ollie, to finish, then, um, w- would you like to see four two three one for this game? Yeah, only because I don't think he's going to put Ox or catering from the start. Uh, I, I'm happily ha- to go with the 4-3-3, assuming that we're going to play a bit more progressive midfield. But I don't think we are. And I think Origi deserves a start as well. Uh, even whether, whether it's in addition in to the front three and the 4-2-3-1 or just in place of one of them, I think he's been really good off the bench recently. And while I do agree that he... It isn't gonna isn't gonna be good enough to be a consistent starter, and is much better as an option off the bench for us all the time. I think that to keep him being a good off good option off the bench, you need to give him starts when he is you know playing well and contributing. I think it's a bit unfair for, to say to him, yeah, well you know, well done for coming off the bench, making another impact. Can you do that again coming on Saturday if things aren't going well? You need to reward good performances, and you could you could argue that he's been our best attacker in the last few weeks, uh, apart from Firmino probably. Um, so yeah, maybe him in the four-two-three-one would be good with Genie and Fabinho as the two uh, sixes, or even just stick him in for Mo, Mo or Mane on the stick him on the left, and then he'd play Mo or Mane one of them on the right. Yeah, fair dude, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I agree. I want to see four-two-three-one. Just to, I think the four-three-three. Just I don't think it's working with the personnel. Klopp's well, it, is, it obviously is working, but I think the midfield is a bit of a time bomb at the minute, so I'd rather play Fab and Ginny together until Naby's fit and then four I think as soon as we get more options, four three three can become an it become more of an option, but Henderson looks knackered. Ginny's Ginny. Um and Ghost. Yes. He, I don't care what stats say, he's just very annoying. Um yeah, and I think Henderson will benefit greatly from being rotated more rather than playing every bloody game. Um, but we'll finish with a cut with predictions. Um, Ollie, what are you going to go for? I think we will draw two 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 all against Leicester. Ooh! But if Klopp, if Europe if European Cup winner Klopp listened to me and played the team that I think we should pick, we'd win five 0 <laughs> But. You know, if he thinks he knows best, then whatever. But yeah, I'm going to say two all with a Jamie Vardy brace. If Ollie was in charge, we would have beat Spurs 18-0 in the final. Exactly, yeah. And romped the league with 114 points. But 
you know. 120, even I'm, though that's not possible. I'm, I'm, I'm busy with uni. <laughs> uh, Stephen, prediction? Five now. God, you're either no. optimistic or being a penis. Five now, and we're going to win the double. Obviously not winning the double on Saturday. the Super Cup and the Club World Championship? That, <gasps> behave. <laughs> that's the real behave. double. I can't believe we bottled the community shield for the best treble ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm really annoyed. I know. <laughs> like an irrational amount. Yeah. I really wanted to win that. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Chris, what are you going with? Um, as much as I want to predict the clean sheet, I say 4 1. Uh, Mane, Brace, Salah gets on the score sheet, and uh, Schmeichel own goal. That's very specific. If that happens, like your your time your time travel. Uh, yeah, I need ten ten pence on that. The book. Yeah, I know. I mean, you have a cheeky double on that, and then then we need, <laughs> then we need to have words, Chris. <laughs> then we can buy. Then we can buy Bruno Fernandez for the winnings. Yeah, just, and what what and watch him sit on the bench for he, Henderson and Miller. He, he can come play my. Well, no, we will we'll be buying him, so he can come play for our five side teams. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. Very good point. Absolutely. Uh, then Liverpool can loan him off us for big money. See. It's, <laughs> We got this. Work. We got this worked out. <laughs> right. Um, we'll finish up there then. Uh, so thank you, you three, for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. Podcast Network.